0: practical Christian behaviors. I've shined my light into the world and I got pummeled for it for whatever reason, in whatever way. If I start to build a habit of actually turning that into joy, that produces something that's deeper. As if I could say, oh, when I'm persecuted to say, oh, that's a good thing because it's going to produce more faith in me. Because God thinks I'm ready for that. He trusts me with that, and he trusts me with behaving right in this moment. I'm thankful for that. Wow, that's an honor for me.
1: Welcome back to Study With Friends, a weekly dive into the answers and questions we find in the Bible, the church, and the broader Christian faith. I'm Paige, and today we begin week three of our series focusing on the Sermon on the Mount. For those of you just joining us, this series is different in that it will run eight weeks and have five daily episodes to help you study Jesus's words in greater depth. If you would like the study material, past episodes, more information on this series, or any of the other resources we provide, you can find them all on our website, studywithfriends.org. Week 3, Day 2.
0: Still talking about salt and light. The passage is Matthew 5, 13 to 16. I said last, I said yesterday, in yesterday's homework, um, that uh, in the Beatitudes, Jesus uses adjectives, and here he uses metaphors. Um, He's really deepening his teaching by giving us metaphors, examples, um, a different way, a, a Another facet of how we can understand what he's trying to command us to do. So today, I want to talk about what I think are three points in Salt and Light, and I'll name them, and then we'll unpack them. First, disciples of Christ are called to practical behavior. That's a little bit different than the Beatitudes, which I think you said yesterday were like a heart set, Mm -hmm. a heart thing, uh, which was really good. The second is the result of this practical behavior could be persuasion, but it could also be persecution. And the third is that Jesus is serious about good works. And so let's unpack those together. Do you want to give me any feedback on my three little pillars? Ah, pillars, like (laughs) pillars of salt. (laughs) I'm sorry. I know.
2: We're so, even as you say, it makes me laugh because going off on a slight tangent, because one of the questions asked last time was, what does salt and light make you think of? And we, as long-term Christians, have such staples, Mm -hmm. pillars, right? We use pillars. We use salt and earth, salt and light, right? You're the salt of the earth. You're the light that, you know, can't be dimmed, whatever it might be. And uh, they are beautiful metaphors. They are. They're great physical descriptions of what we're supposed to be, and sometimes we forget the depth of the meaning of what he meant when he said it. Yeah. Right. When you he didn't were going to say it just to give you a pretty picture. Yes. Mm. Yeah. He said it because he wants you to embody the rules that you thought you were given.
0: Yeah. And the practicality. Right. That's what I love about salt and light. And that's what we're going to really unpack. Um, Day three and day four, we're going to really unpack the practical uses of salt, the practical uses of light, because we can get really like in our head, like, oh, salt and light. It's so churchy. Yeah. But let's talk about like practically what does that mean? So we'll do that day three and four, but you're 100% right. Before we do the unpacking, what are some examples of practical Christian behavior? When we say salt and light, what's a good example of that? Practically speaking, boots on the ground, living out life, salty
2: and salty ways. <laughs> Which we used as a terrible expression in the 90s, if you remember. Don't you remember salty? You're yeah, I mean. do. I do. We use that as a bad expression. <laughs> salty she
0: meant you were mad. At all. <laughs> salty meant you were mad.
3: Oh, yeah, like, why are you so salty? You use it? Like really? you, um, I don't like in high school we yeah. did
0: salty. Well, I never, never heard it. Before. Yeah, salty <laughs> means you're. Meant like you were mad. irritated, mad. Yeah. Like she's salty about that. Right. But yeah, that's not how we mean to hear. <laughs> but those of us, those of us who are '80s children, I did put a few like tongue-in-cheek things in the homework, like. <laughs> go look for those okay so uh what is some practical what are some practical behaviors
4: living a moral life trying to live the 10 commandments mm-hmm. so basically being um honoring to god mm-hmm. to to your parents and to your neighbors
0: okay yes but dig in more mm-hmm. what does that look like if i'm doing that what am i doing practically mm-hmm. you see what i'm saying like those are lofty ideas mm-hmm honor your mother and father. Okay. Can I just do that in my heart and then disrespect them with my mouth? <laughs> Can I do that with my just my heart and never go see them? You see what I'm what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm leading you. Mm-hmm. But what are practical ways? Like I'm going to give you an example just to get the juices flowing. One of the things that we women are love to do is when you are in distress, we love to bring you food. <laughs> we I say we love it because it helps us feel like we're doing something. We feed you. Okay, that's practical. And it's loving and it shows care and it represents Christ. And that's good. What are some
2: other practical things that Christians can do? So I'm going to be quite literal because I think this was such a funny example. And this was from a few years ago. Uh, We always say sacrifice. That's a beautiful word that we use. Another very Christianese word that we use. Um, And yet there was a time where we had a pandemic Mm. and everyone wanted toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) Remember that time? Yeah, I thought that was crazy. Were you willing to give up your toilet paper to a neighbor? Mm. And yes, we were asked to give up toilet paper to a neighbor. And, you know, it takes a lot because you're going to the dollar store me this is a very I, I had to go to the dollar store cuz the grocery stores didn't have any left. And so I had to go to the dollar store and I remember being like you know you're grabbing <laughs> all these single rolls yeah. of toilet paper and so uh, are you willing to give that up when you fought so hard to get it?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You, when you don't necessarily well, know good. if it's coming back? That's good. And so Okay, it, so let me funny.
0: broaden that to yeah. other resources. Mm-hmm. What are other resources that we hold fast to? That practically, as Christians, we maybe should be a little more open-handed with. Don't say money. Go deeper.
4: (laughs) Time. (laughs) Good. And that, you know, sometimes our neighbors just need time. They Mm -hmm. need us to listen. They need us to maybe encourage or console. And um, it does take time. Mm -hmm. And it means that I'm not going to be able to do something else that I had planned to do in that time because this came up so in a and sense you it's a sacrifice
0: it. yeah you know, can i say something uh-huh you taught me a lot about that <laughs> because when i am sick she always visits me mm-hmm.
3: and really
0: uh, there have been times when i've had like surgeries and i'm down and if you don't know this about marilyn she's a retired doctor so it's like double great because she comes and reminds me. I remember when I had a major surgery, she came and reminded me. She's like, you just need to rest. Your body has been offended. And you're like, no. And and it just reminds Like, she just being there with me and yeah. just, you get lonely when you're in recovery mm-hmm. in any way. Um, it can be isolating. And I, I was kind of raised to abhor the drop-in. I mean, she doesn't drop in. She, but uh, cause She kind of does. She's like, I'm out. or I'm going to be out today. Can I pop in? You know, so it's a little bit of a drop in with a little bit of a warning, but not much. And it's, it's, I know it's perfectly, perfectly curated because if she asked me the day, you know what I mean? She's like, I'm out. Can I just pop by? So she's really good at visiting. And it actually caused me to visit some other friends who had like, I had a friend who broke her ankle and I was like, let me just come and sit with you. That never would have occurred to me before. I would have come over and done her laundry, Mm -hmm. brought her food, (laughs) helped clean her house because she couldn't do that. And those are good. Mm -hmm. Those are good. I'm not saying those are not good. Those are really good, practical, loving behaviors. But I'm so glad you said that because it even says, you know, to do that in the Bible, to sit with people and be with them. And she taught me a lot about that. So I just want to give you props, Mama Marilyn. (laughs) That's a good one, time. And it's honestly, I feel like for some of us, it's harder to give up than our money.
4: Oh, yes. Like I'll throw
0: money at something. I'm like, okay, then I feel better because I don't have the time, but I can give you twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: don't ask me to to, to serve right. but here. Put right. this toward it, right. and then I feel better. Right. But uh,
0: yeah, that's good. Oh, that's a little convicting. I mean, listen, we all have to be judicious with the, where we spend our resources of, and time is one of them. Because listen, if you're like me, you're going to burn out trying to do everything, mm-hmm. so that that's bad too. But
3: this is good. This is really good. I'm so glad you mentioned that.
0: What other practical behaviors?
3: I was thinking I have like spreading God's word with love here. And I think love itself is like especially when it comes to people that we may like disagree with. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge thing with my generation. I think it's very hard for me to do that with the people that I like dislike or I don't agree with. I'm like, I don't really want to talk to you. Like, I don't want to be in that environment. Not that, like, I would get influenced, but, like, I just don't want to be in that environment. It makes me uncomfortable, and I don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's something that we have to do.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good, Kate. And you're actually, you're a good reminder of that for me, and Gianna is a good one. Rem- like, we're, we get stuck a lot in the us-and-them mentality. And so what you're saying is um, her resource that she named was her love, which was really good. Mm-hmm. Because she's not just saying patience, tolerance. She's saying actual love. Mm-hmm. And that's a big one. That's really good. That's, that's really good, Kate. That's a whole, that's a whole week by itself. <laughs> but we'll just leave it at that. Um, okay, so yeah, Jesus is really calling us in salt and light not just to be something, like the Beatitudes, but to do something. So if the Beatitudes are being statements... Salt and light are doing statements. Does that make sense or do you, does that resound? Do you think that that's true What mm-hmm. I'm saying? Okay. So we talked yesterday about verses 11 and 12, warning that the outcome of our salt and light practical behavior could be persuasion, but it could also be persecution. Can you share any examples of persecution I think it's just good for us to raise those to our mind. And they can be personal examples or they can be examples you've seen or heard of in the culture.
2: I'm always very careful because I, uh, and and you and I have definitely had this in other recordings before, where I'm like, we are not persecuted. Mm -hmm. And I want to be fair in saying we are not severely persecuted because there always is small persecutions yeah i mean we do live day-to-day small persecutions right like i live in a family that they don't believe and so there is a lot of um did you drink the kool-aids is that a persecution you know but does it make me feel uncomfortable and is the intent to hurt my faith yes Mm. it is so there are small persecutions and i do think that we need to be realistic about them uh recognizing that maybe they're not massive but maybe They are small, and that is the truth of the word, right? There are people that will say, you know, we are in a time and a space right now where people genuinely believe that Christians are bad people Mm -hmm. in the United States where we live. And that is really sad. And sometimes we need to bend over backwards to make them believe that's not true, Mm -hmm. but we can't give up our faith in order to do that or what we believe Jesus is calling us to do in order to do that. So there is a fine line between still being loving and giving time and right. Doing all of those things in a way that that honors Jesus, but also shows people that we're not bad people. Mm -hmm. Right. Because we don't want to be persecuted. Yeah.
0: So, so yeah, you and I've talked about this a lot because I think when we think about persecution, we think about martyrs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But just want to tease that out for a second. Okay. I'm I'm with you. I I do get, I'm going to be cards on the table. I do get a little annoyed with people who are like, Oh, we're, we're being oppressed, okay? But because because I'm I'm with you, but isn't it interesting that I just wonder if we could tease this out for a second because I ju- it just came to me. It's on the homework. Maybe I'll add it. In the same way that that non Christians think, well, I didn't murder anybody, so I'm okay. That there's only this black and white. If it's not the whole worst possible thing, then it's not really happening. Do you see what, the parallel mm-hmm. I'm drawing? And so if I'm not being martyred then I'm not really being persecuted. Right. There's something there. And I, I think that the truth is about human nature, and tell me if you agree, like death by a thousand pokes is a real thing. Like you can really beat me down over time with small things. You can really crush my spirit over time with small comments. And so I wonder if we should be a little more aware of what's happening When our faith is being demeaned,
2: okay? So that might be a more comfortable way, especially you you and I are on this. And I agree with that. And I I think that quite often what we would forget in these minor persecutions, if we don't recognize what they are, Mm -hmm. we may conform because we don't recognize that it's a persecution. Yeah. And so our instinct is to make the other person happy. At least that's mine. I know my people pleaser. Our instinct is to make the other person happy instead of recognizing this is the persecution that comes with me being a follower of Christ. We go, well, maybe if I just, then that person will be happy. Right. Right. So I agree. So you're saying there's some compromise? We shouldn't the compromise. temptation to compromise, right? There's that temptation to compromise. I see. That's good. If we don't recognize that that there is some genuine persecution there, the temptation might be to compromise mm-hmm. because we don't recognize it for what it truly is. Okay, so, so I do agree. A, to deepen that a little time.
0: bit, you're almost saying, okay, let's go from a Christian point of view that you're favoring like the peacemaking that God calls us to versus the witness that maybe you're called to Mm -hmm. in that moment. So it's a little bit of a slippery slope. Okay. Kate, would you read James one, two, and four as you're pulling it throughout the whole study? We're going to talk a lot about James. We're going to use James. Some people think James is even a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. I'm not going to make a statement about whether I agree with that or not. You can decide, but I will say this, that James helps me a lot. Because James takes a, a concept from the Sermon on the Mount and says it in different words that help me have a deeper understanding of what the scripture is trying to accomplish in my heart through these precepts. And so, as we think about verses 5, Matthew 5, 11, and 12, which weren't about persecution, in the context of salt and light, as we try to be practical in our behavior, as disciples. I'd like you to read James 1, 2, and 4, Kate, and then let's talk about how that informs what we're unpacking today.
3: My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing.
0: Okay. That's James 1, 2, and 4. How, if at all, does that help you understand salt and light, And the two sides of the coin, that the salt and light, the two results that could occur from your salt and light behavior, your practical
3: Christian behavior. I read through James recently, and then I read through it before. And it's like always nice to read, like especially those verses when it's talking about falling into various trials, because we do, and that it produces patience. And I think that comes back to the persecution part, because that's a trial and it produces patience and it produces, you know, growth in our faith. Yeah. Through that. And it makes me think of was it Peter? Yeah. And when he denied Jesus three mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. because that was a testing of his faith. That was persecution like, "Oh, you're with Jesus, aren't oh, yeah. you?" Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, "No, like right. I don't. Right. No, like I don't know who that is." And, you know, denying him three times, and I think that was a test of his faith, and he failed. Man, there's so much we could do.
0: What does <laughs> failure provide?
2: Opportunity for repentance.
0: Yes. <laughs> what I was thinking was when I spectacularly fail, it really is a milestone in my brain. Mm. And I think that's what you were getting at with Peter. Peter was like, I will never forget mm. that I did that. And it it, it made him redouble his efforts yeah. to make up for that moment. It's what it seems like. That happens with me too. Does that happen with you like, oh, I of missed course. an opportunity to say something yeah. to this person or and sticks with me. Yeah.
2: Right? Other elements of this James bit. Well, I thought it tied in right directly to what we were just saying, how if someone po- you said poked to death, right? You use that expression. Uh, death by a thousand. Death by a thousand pokes. I don't know. Is it that what is it is? But each of those pokes is a test. Yeah. And, and he's strengthening our faith with that. So every time we get poked, are we resting in Christ, in all of these beatitudes, and then turning around and still producing the good works that he asks us to produce? Right. Or are we letting it conquer us? and falling into what I was saying, the bad habits of going, I would just rather please them at the moment because it makes me feel better. I love that you use the
0: word habit because I think that's actually the subtext here. Mm -hmm. Consider it joy when you face trials because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. It's, It's doing something. It didn't do it. It didn't do it once. It's continually doing something the trials are producing perseverance and that happens with habit that if i change the habit of my mindset when i experience something that feels ugly that's a result of my practical christian behaviors i've shined my light into the world and i got pummeled for it for whatever reason in whatever way if I start to build a habit of actually turning that into joy. That produces something that's deeper. And I think that's, for me, what the James passage enlightens about these these Sermon on the Mount uh, texts that we're we're working with this week and today. Is if I could say, oh, when I'm persecuted, to say, oh, that's a good thing because it's going to produce more faith in me because God thinks I'm ready for that. He trusts me with that, and he trusts me with behaving right in this moment. I'm thankful for that. Wow, that's an honor for me. Do you see how it's Mm -hmm. totally different? I I sometimes think about that when I have the opportunity to talk to people about apologetics. I'm like, this is an honor. God put me in this place and I want to handle it rightly. And that's the same with stinkers (laughs) 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 who hurt our feelings and who want to demean our faith, a faith that means everything to us and they know that. And it's an honor for us to be placed in that situation because we have an opportunity to be Christ to someone who completely rejects it. That's an honor. And that's a habit change of how I think about what, is, what I'm experiencing. So then the last bit is that Jesus is serious about good works. And I think we teased that out yesterday. And also um, today, I want to say again, the sermon presupposes faith. So this sermon, when, when Jesus says, do this, be that, he's not saying, do this, be that, and you will earn your way into heaven. He's saying, do this, be that, because I have done this for you first, because I live in you, because I sacrifice for you, because you are justified. Behave like it. To enlighten that, I'm going to have Kate, if you would read again from James, Two, chapter 2 verses 14 to 17 just to give us a little bit more on faith and works
3: what does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith but he does not have works can faith save him if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them depart in peace be warmed and filled but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body what does it profit thus also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead
0: okay now you guys rephrase that mm. in the context of what we've been talking about today and yesterday in the homework practical i love james's example <laughs> it's like pat pat <laughs> they're there you have no food or clothing <laughs> you know i i'm going to even say something controversial another way of pat pat they're there is god doesn't give
4: us anything we can't mm. <laughs> what's the uh- Scripture for that? (laughs) 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 There isn't one. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: how does that speak to the practicality of salt and light? And you can also dabble in this faith and works. Put
4: your money where your mouth is. Don't just talk about it. But do it. Don't just talk about it. Be about it.
2: Yeah, there's a very popular statement, uh, and I'm, of course I'm going to butcher it, because my memorization skills are terrible, <laughs> which we know on this show at this point. Uh, something about, like, Christians give Christians a bad name. Mm. And it's because we hear people say all the time, or they're wearing their cross around their neck, or they're, you know, wearing a t-shirt or whatever, and they're yelling at somebody at the grocery store, mm-hmm. and you're like, what is happening? Or the Jesus fish on the back of your car, but really <laughs> rage in the front seat. Right, right. So I, I think that while you don't want to focus on only your outward appearance, there is something to be said about your outward appearance. Mm-hmm. Because everybody is watching you. And when you put this cross on your neck, they are all watching Jesus as well. And what does that say about our God when we behave in a way that doesn't honor him? Yes. And I'm saying that as a fellow sinner among a group of sinners. And I recognize that we cannot achieve perfection. He's the one who says that he fulfilled. He, we didn't fulfill the law in those things. And yet we are called to be better. Be not like them. We are called to be better. We are called to be goodness and love and salt and light among all people around us so they can see him. Yeah.
0: I'll end with Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about cheap grace and costly grace. And cheap grace is grace without any change, that you receive the grace of Christ dying for your sins, but you don't do anything to change yourself or allow God to change you from the inside out. You just want to stick with what you know and what you've done and who you are and all the things. You don't allow him to make any changes. And costly grace, Bonhoeffer develops in his book called The Cost of Discipleship, is the cost of discipleship is change and allowing God to carve out. We talked um, in week two about the pruning. That's painful, but it's for our good. Mm. And so it's it feels like there's a cost, but the cost is worth paying.
1: This program is produced by Study With Friends. Learn more about us at studywithfriends.org and sign up there for email devotionals or download our Bible studies for free. If you are blessed by our work, please consider supporting our ministry with a donation. We believe in the local church. Please find a congregation where you can plug in and experience all aspects of the Christian life. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time when we Study With Friends.